0: Good morning and welcome to Wednesday morning, Wednesday, November the 24th in 2021 on When I Rise. We're currently in year C and this is the first Sunday of Advent and on the Wednesday of the week, sometimes we take an extra passage that comes from this week in the church year from the Revised Common Lectionary, but in Advent, there's only four passages a week, so we have a five-day week podcast, so we got to figure out what to do on that fifth day. So I'm going to go back to the beginning Genesis chapter one, uh, verses one through chapter two, verse four. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks to making this party a morning and when our eyes, let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Genesis chapter one, verse one to Gen- Genesis chapter two, verse four. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And this is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, Let the lights appear in the sky to separate the day and the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made the two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water, and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed, and morning came. Marking the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring in the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have made, given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food, and I have given every green plant as food, For all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. So the creation of the heavens and the earth, and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day When he rested from all his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. This is the word of God for us. In communities where faith and science are studied side by side, Genesis 1 becomes a, a, a text where there is tension, perhaps where there is vibrant discussion, where there is disagreements, and perhaps where there like angers, uh, anger and tempers can flare. And so uh, we have to ask some questions: What is the writer of Genesis one trying to get at? Uh, what is it trying to say on its own? And then we could keep it in its own ancient context and let it speak to us. I think what um, a lot of scholars have said is that there is something very, uh, very interesting and majestic. About Genesis chapter 1. It's a creation of seven days. There's a lot of measurements within it. Uh, Many of the key words are in multiples of seven. Uh, Use seven times or multiples of seven, um, marking the seven days. So there's a theme and a pattern there. Some even say that if you go back to the original Hebrew text, that you got multiples of sevens for the different word count and paragraphs. So there's something quite strategic about how it's formed about how many words are used. It's almost like someone's got a, a measure of seven and they're they're measuring a lot of sevens in the outworking of creation. Another thing that scholars have noticed is that if you arrange the days side by side in, in uh, two groups of three, you have an interesting picture. And it's probably where I want to linger on today. There's more we could say, but let me just linger here. If you look at the first three days in Genesis 1, spaces are, are opened up, right? So uh, you have... Uh, the expanse of the sky and land Uh, you've got water from land so all these things are are stretched out and then if you put what happens on the corresponding day in four five and six to what happens in days one two and three you see that when the space is opened up on day one it is filled with things from day four when the space that is opened up in day two is filled with the things described and created and placed in day five so you've got spaces opening up, and you've got objects moving into those spaces. I think what ancient minds would say is that this is a building of a temple. Uh, the Spaces are open and things are placed within it. And so what we have is this grand vision of God, is that God is creating a, a space. All of creation is a place where we can encounter him. All of creation is a temple. And so as we are placed within it as God's image-bearing creatures on day six, we are in his likeness, but we point to him, the God who created all things. We're, we govern over it with God's help. Like there's a cooperation between God and human to govern over creation. But we're always pointing towards the God who created it. What's interesting about this is that if you look at Genesis 11, you have this interesting tension that's built. Uh, many scholars would break up Genesis with Genesis 1 through 11 as primeval history, and then Genesis 12 through 50 as. Um, as patriarchal history. Uh, the leaders and the fathers of the Israelite story are situated in 12 through 50. So, what do we have at the end of Genesis 11? We have a group of people who build uh, a tower. They build, the, we call it the Tower of Babel, but a group of people who are saying, We would like to stretch up to the highest heavens, almost like asserting to want to be God and to be in control. And so, God sees us and He frustrates those plans because. He sees that this is out of order within his creation so you have these two temples yet in genesis 1 you have a temple where god is praised and where humans are in the middle helping steward creation then you have this uh, anti-temple a temple where god is pushed out and where humans try to take god's place and so if we read genesis 1 through 11 in a heap we see that the writer genesis is setting up a question for us are we going to gather around the first temple vision Or are we going to gather around the second temple vision? And uh, what the writer Genesis wants to say is uh, there is measurement. There is balance. There's a place for everything and everything in its place. There's harmony. There is a natural outworking of things because, like animals, create their own kind. Seed-bearing trees create their own kind, and the human that God has placed, this special creature, this this uh, lowly one made of the dust, that God fills us with His image and His likeness. It helps curate all the majesty of God's creation. And so, perhaps what Genesis 1 through 11 wants to tell us is that there's an order of things. Let's make our way back to the order in which God had destined it. So there's a lot of things that we could pray for here. So those two images of those two temples in mind, let's let's spend some time praying together this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that uh, you have destined us to be a part of what you're doing around us. That we cannot uh, talk about you without also talking about what's going on in the world around us. And we thank you for this vision, this vivid idea of two temples um, that represent two different ways of life. Uh, and, And as other authors of scripture have said, there's life and there's death. There's two paths. And so God, you implore us to seek the first path uh, towards the first temple where everything's in balance, everything works in harmony, everything reproduces of its own kind. And we, as your image-bearing creatures, are empowered to co-labor with you in your story. And we're also warned about this other anti-temple where you are pushed out of the way, where um, plans are frustrated, and where there seems like the vulnerable Um, are trampled on in order uh, to be given uh, preference towards those um, who want to take more and more. And so God, we just understand that this is a ramification for all of life. We could choose your way or we could choose the way that leads to the unraveling of all things. God, we confess that at times we have picked the second temple over the first temple. So we pray you forgive us and allow us to find our way back our place in this world and the way that you've desired and dreamed of it so that we can be filled with all that you want us to be filled with. And so God, we make our way back today and we pray that you'd have grace upon us once more. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.